0: And if you're visiting with us, I want to introduce myself. My name's Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to welcome you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're really glad that you've come to worship with us today. And uh, if you would, uh, there are visitor cards out in the foyer. We'd love for you to fill one of those out and give it to an usher or a deacon. And uh, we'd love to contact you to connect. Acts chapter 10, I know some of you are nervous, and I'm going to read... uh, chapter and a half from the book of Acts. Uh, Don't be afraid. Um, We'll read portions of this section. It is really one story, one part. This is a really important uh, section in the book of Acts as it's a transition for us. We've been going through the book of Acts and looking at the idea that God is on a mission. And so this part of the mission is that the gospel goes to the Gentiles. Acts chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. At Caesarea, there's a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, giving alms generously to the people, and he prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? for I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. But the voice came to him again a second time, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now Peter was inwardly perplexed, and as he was thinking about this, um, the people from Caesarea showed up, and they called for Peter, and he asked, why are you here? And they explained. And look, look down at verse 28 of chapter 10. Peter said, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Peter went to Caesarea. He went to Cornelius' house And Cornelius said, verse 33 of chapter 10, So I sent for you at once, and you've been kind enough to come. Now therefore we're all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. And then in chapter 10, verse 34, Peter preaches. He opens his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation... Anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him as for the Lord that he sent as for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went among about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. And to all the prophets, they bear witness to this, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And while Peter preached, the Holy Spirit was poured out on Cornelius and everyone that was gathered there. They were converted and then people heard about it. Let's turn over to chapter 11. As Peter went back to Jerusalem... Everyone heard what had happened, and there were some people that were frustrated about it, especially those of the circumcision party. And he explains everything that went down, and then look down at verse 15 of chapter 11. Peter says, As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit if then God gave the the same gift to them that he has given to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? And when they heard these things, they fell silent. They glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. The Bible says of itself that the grass withers, the flower fades, that the word of our God, stands forever. Let's pray. Father, we bow before you, thankful for your word. Thank you, thank you for the way that it speaks so powerfully into our lives. And so we pray by your Holy Spirit that you would open our hearts to understand beautiful things from your word. Change us, transform us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. August 29th, 2005, anybody remember what day, what happened on that day? Hurricane Katrina made landfall on the coast of Mississippi and Louisiana and uh, at 5 a.m. before the storm actually made official landfall, the 17th Street Canal uh, levee broke thousands of gallons of water per second started to pour into the city of New Orleans and all told there were some 50 breaks in levees and storm retention walls which led to 80 percent of the city of New Orleans and 95 percent of St. Bernard Parish being underwater some places in the 8th and 9th ward 15 feet deep in water and so years later I was in New Orleans with some RUF at LSU students. We were doing recovery work, and we were in the home of Miss Peggy, who in 2009 was still living in a FEMA trailer in the front yard of her home, and we asked her what happened, and she said, I'll never forget, I was standing right there in the kitchen, frying hamburgers for lunch for me and my husband when water started to come under the door of my house. Hours later, she and her husband had to be rescued from the roof of their home. Once the levees broke, the water was unstoppable. And We think about things, unstoppable things, in scary terms like tornadoes and avalanche and hurricanes. But there is also something that can be positive and beautiful about something being unstoppable. God is on a mission, and his kingdom and his purpose and his plan is unstoppable. And it is so powerfully mentioned in chapter 11, verse 17. Peter says it this way, Who was I that I could stand in God's way? Everything had been building up to this point, right? Jesus said, you'll receive power. You'll be my witnesses. Go, therefore, and make disciples. I'll be with you. Jesus said, build my church. I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God is on an unstoppable mission. Who are we to stand in his way. And this is a large section of scripture we're looking at, but it is one story and it closes the loop. It completes the gap about how the gospel of Jesus Christ goes to the Gentiles. And this is again where we've been heading. Saul was commissioned as an apostle to the Gentiles, the Holy Spirit was poured out. And now we see a replay of what happened. At Pentecost, we get a front row seat to see God's cosmic scope and trajectory of His mission unfold and uh, play out in Acts 10 and 11. Why is this important? Why is this passage important for us? What does it matter? It's been 2,000 years, big deal. Well, we're short sighted. Before the service started, Uh, Travis was in the sound room holding something up for me to see, and uh, I had no idea what it was (laughs) because my eyesight is uh, going bad. You know, I can't see far away, and so I just, you know, we're short-sighted people. We're short-sighted especially in two ways. We're short-sighted about what God can do and, um, two, about who God is. Can save even though we've tasted and experienced the grace of Jesus Christ even though the tomb is empty what do we think so many times you know what I just I just don't know if God's in control of this I don't know if I think his mission might fail I think this could be too hard for God we don't say it out loud but we think it in our hearts at times dear ones God His kingdom, his mission is unstoppable. He's a sovereign Lord of heaven and earth, and he can work in the details of our lives and the details of this world In those things that seem impossible. God can work. He can do it. We also are short-sighted about who God can save. Even though we've been radically loved by God, even though we've experienced the peace and encouragement and support that comes from Jesus Christ and the body of Christ, who have been with us and through us through thick and thin, we still are tempted to think that Christianity is just for people like us. People who act like us and look like us and think like us and talk like us. And this passage reminds us that God shows no partiality and we shouldn't either. So let's look at the passage together. The first thing I want us to consider is this visions of God's unstoppable mission and the passage in chapter 10 starts with two different people two two people who couldn't be more different Cornelius and Peter let's think about Cornelius for a moment he's in Caesarea about 32 miles north of Joppa along the coast he is a Roman soldier he's a centurion which meant he was an officer. He was in charge of 80 to 100 men. You get it, centurion, century, 100. He was from the Italian cohort. He couldn't be more Roman. And he was stationed in a place far from home, like many soldiers, that was different from where he was from culturally and religiously. And it's important for us to remember that he probably would have been resented at best and hated at worst because he represented an occupying force you're not from here why are you on our land and in our place and here we get a glimpse of god's unexpected mercy his counterintuitive plan we expect soldiers to be rough and ruthless and to show no mercy especially in these times yet cornelius was different The passage tells us that he was devout. He was devoted. He was a God-fearing person. He and his family, he was generous and he prayed continually. He believed God's promises from the Old Testament, though he didn't follow all the Jewish customs. So, God-fearing people would be respected by Jews, but they would also be held at arm's length. If If Cornelius went to Jerusalem to try to enter the temple, he wouldn't be allowed in. But he was a man of faith, and it showed in his life. But he was still waiting for something. He was waiting for the good news of Jesus Christ. I want to stop for a moment here and just remind you that we all know people who know about God who may be devout, may be religious, but they're missing the dynamic spark and life of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They don't know Christ. And it is our privilege to live and to preach the gospel day in and day out in our lives. And who knows, they may respond to the good news of Jesus because God's on a mission that's unstoppable. Cornelius has a vision. It's about the third hour, the hour of prayer, an angel appears to him and like like us, he's afraid. What is it, Lord? What's wrong? And the angel tells him that your prayers, your gifts have gone up to heaven like a memorial to God. And this should remind us of the Old Testament in at least two ways. First, how God's people, the prayers of God's people came up to God in Exodus when they were in bondage says in Exodus 2 that God heard, God saw, and God knew. And that's the same thing that we see here with Cornelius. And this memorial is a reference to Leviticus 2. Cornelius's prayers, his generosity came up to God like a sweet smelling aroma. And so the angel said, go send people to Joppa, get Peter, and bring him back here. And so he sent two of his servants and a devout soldier. And as we think about Cornelius and this vision, I want us to remember and see that Cornelius doesn't balk. He doesn't hem and haw and say, You know what, I'm sure that there's somebody else that could do a better job at this. I'm not the right person. I'm not ready. He simply obeyed. How is God calling you to serve and honor him in and through your life? Sure, there are other people that may be more qualified and more gifted, but we are called to respond to his lead. Who are you to stand in the way of God? Peter also receives a vision. He's staying with Simon the Tanner. Remember, we saw this last week. He goes up to the roof to pray, to have some solitude. He's hungry. The servants are preparing lunch, and he goes into this trance. And for us, we see this image of a sheet coming down from heaven with all these animals on it. And we think, great, it's lunchtime. Let's eat. But that was not what Peter thought. For Peter, this was repulsive. Oh, no. When he hears this voice, rise, kill, and eat, Peter says, may it never be. God forbid. Remember, he was Jewish. He had never eaten anything unclean, and these animals that were let down were unclean animals. And then verse 15 of chapter 10, What God has made clean, do not call common or unclean. And this happens three times. God's showing Peter the cosmic trajectory of his plan and his mission. He's reminding Peter that Christianity is no longer Jewish. It goes to the nations. And I want you to see God's mercy here. He, he shows Peter what's going on. He does it three times. It's not just, hey, I had a bad dream. You're not going to believe this. It's unmistakable. There's no question about it. This is God's plan. And he is perplexed. The passage says that he was inwardly perplexed as he was sitting there on the roof pondering, what in the world could this mean? Hey, Is Peter staying here? The delegation from Caesarea shows up at this very moment. They stand in the gate. They yell up, is Peter here? And then Peter hears from the Holy Spirit. There are men downstairs. They've been sent by God. Go with them. Do not hesitate. Don't question One of the things we see in this passage is the idea of transformation, of being renewed. God puts the pieces together for Peter, like crumbs, for him to follow. How has and how is God doing the same thing in your life? Things that you can't ignore, things that make you say, oh, now I understand what you're doing. And so they have this encounter. We have a vision, but there's also an encounter with God's unstoppable mission in verses 17 through 33. You ever, you ever encountered something incredible? Maybe you were swimming in the ocean, and just a few feet over, a dolphin comes up. When I was in seventh grade, a friend and I were at the beach, and we watched a loggerhead turtle come ashore, walk up the beach, dig a hole, and lay eggs. I had an encounter. I'll never forget it. These men and Peter had an encounter with God. They show up. Peter is called to go without hesitation. And we know that God's in control, but this is one of those times and one of those circumstances where it is so obvious. Cornelius is waiting. So so Peter goes back with them. It takes about two days to get back. And when Peter comes into Cornelius' house, Cornelius falls down on the ground to try to worship him. And Peter says, stand up, man. I'm, I'm a man like you. You see, Peter's learning. This is one of the themes of the Christian life. We're being transformed. And so in verse 27 and verse 28... And he talked to them and went in and found many people gathered. Cornelius called his whole family and friends together. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate or visit with anyone of another nation, but God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Do you see the the transition that's made? Do you see how Peter has connected the dots? The initial vision is about food. It's about what you can and can't eat. But this story is not about food. It's about people. It's about ministry. It's about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's about the Holy Spirit helping him connect the dots. And the message is clear. All people are made in the image of God. The, the, the ground at the foot of the cross is level ground. The good news of Jesus is for all people all sorts of people, boys and girls, men and women, Jews and Gentiles, rich and poor, black and white and brown, and everyone in between. And that's part of the message that we see unfold here in the book of Acts. They encountered God's unstoppable mission. And it's really important for us to see that Cornelius was ready. He was waiting. He was expecting. He called all of his friends and family together because he expected God to work. And I love verse 33. He tells him about what happened. Then he said, I sent for you at once, and you've been so kind to come. You've been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we're all here in the presence of God. God is in this. There's no question about it. And we want to hear what the, you've been commanded by the Lord. Just a side note, this is every preacher's dream, okay? Uh, We want to hear the message that you have from God. Oh, oh, you want to hear what God has commanded me. The first thing that I'm learning right now is that God shows no partiality. That's what Peter says in verse 34. Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. And then he goes on with the message, of God's unstoppable mission and the message is simple and profound the message is Jesus Christ it's not a new message it's the same story the same thing that happened at Pentecost Peter understands more deeply who am I to stand in the way of God and the same is true for us this gospel message is not simply what we need at the beginning of our journey It's what we need day in and day out to be worked into our hearts and our souls. It's good news. The passage shows us that it's good news for all people. This is actually the message of the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, following God meant converting to Judaism, but there was an external mission that God's people were called to. We read about it in Psalm 67. May God bless us so that we can be a blessing to the nation, so that your name may be known in all the earth. But what happened to God's people? They became socially and religiously and culturally arrogant. And oh God, forgive us if we do the same. They forgot that salvation is not dependent on nationality or race or money or intelligence or human distinction But they they forgot that that God's mission goes forth and it blossoms to all people. And that's what we see here. It's going to the Gentiles. It's good news about Jesus. He brings peace. He bridges the gap between our sin and a holy God. He, He makes a place for us at his table. And then in verses 34 through 43, he preaches the gospel. He tells the story of jesus you know you guys know the story that's what he says to him how jesus was baptized and empowered by the holy spirit how he did good and preached and performed miracles and how god was with him and how he was hung on a tree and how he was raised this is what we've been called to preach the prophets all foretold that he was coming And this good news is for those who believe. Verse 43, to him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. We can't earn it. We can't buy it. We can't achieve it. We receive grace. We receive salvation by trusting in Jesus Christ that he earned it, that he bought it, that he offers it to us, that he laid down his life for our sins so that we can be forgiven and acceptable and we we receive it all by faith. This is the good news of the gospel. This is the message of God's unstoppable mission. How do people respond? What's the response to God's unstoppable mission? Well, the first response isn't really a response at all. It's actually God's movement. Verse 44 of chapter 10. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's not a reaction. It's God moving towards sinners. Remember, God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were when we were still sinners Christ died for us but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us made us alive together in Christ Peter preached and they were baptized in the holy spirit and they started speaking in tongues and extolling God and this this event is connected to Pentecost It's important for us to see that. I've never been through an earthquake. My brother lived in California and Japan, and he's been through several. He would always tell me the the worst part of an earthquake are the aftershocks. Because when the first one happens, you don't really have time to process it. But the second one happens, and, and you're like, oh no, it's happening again. And so what happens throughout the book of Acts, Pentecost was the first wave. And then as the gospel goes to that next stage, that next area, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, we see Pentecost replayed. And so the Holy Spirit is poured out, and God moved. And the people responded by faith. They extolled God. They praised God. They were waiting for this good news. Again, brothers and sisters, We have people in our lives who may not express it. They may fight it. They may avoid it. They may ignore it. But they need the message of grace through Jesus Christ. Our friends and our family and our neighbors and our co-workers desperately need this message. Peter responded by saying, What prevents them from being baptized? I'm not going to stand in God's way. Let's baptize them. God is working. And the people that were with him, they had questions. They didn't understand yet that Christianity was outgrowing Judaism. And so what about the Jewish leaders? He goes back to Jerusalem. Everyone heard what happened in Caesarea. And some people were mad. Especially the, verse, the passage says, those of the circumcision party. Those in the church who were like, we have to hold on to all the details of the Old Testament. And then Peter explains, I was in Joppa. I went up to pray. These men showed up right when I got done seeing this vision. And the Holy Spirit told me to go with them. And then I went to Caesarea and I preached the gospel. And the Holy Spirit was poured out on them. Look with me in chapter 11, verse 15. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. This wasn't a fluke. This is the rule and reign of Jesus Christ, our our risen Lord. And He uses biblical reasoning. The Spirit was poured out on them just as He was on us. And then I love this verse. You know, you ever read the Bible... And you're like, I've never read that before. I've never seen that verse before. You've read it 10, 20, 100 times. I'd never seen this before. God, who am I to stand in the way of God? You know, Peter could have said, guys, I've tried this before. It doesn't work. You remember when Jesus said that I'm going to go to the cross and be crucified, and I I rebuked him, and he said, get behind me, Satan. I've tried to stand in God's way before, trust me, it doesn't work. It's not worth it. And so, how did the people respond? How did those religious leaders respond? They responded with acceptance and worship. They could have doubled down here, like the Pharisees. They could have ignored Jesus Christ's message and ministry. They could have been entrenched in their little kingdom. But believers are different. Believers in Jesus Christ respond to the prodding and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, a lot of times we're stubborn. A lot of times it, it takes a long time for us to understand or relent or to say, uncle, or to say, God, you're right, I'm sorry. But they responded with acceptance and worship. And look at verse 18 of chapter 11. And when they heard these things, they fell silent. You ever been in a Situation, maybe with your family or friends or at work, and something happens and it's so heavy or so profound or so unexpected that everyone's just speechless. Now, for a group of preachers to be silent. Must have been pretty profound. Awkward. Solitude. Wow. And then maybe someone started to pray, someone started to read Scripture or sing Psalm 67, or their version of the doxology, and they glorified God. And they said, then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Brothers and sisters, God is on an unstoppable mission. And it's not like, uh, you know, with your friends or your kids, get out of the way, you know, watch out, you're going to get run over. It's not like that. I don't know if any of you saw a video or still pictures of uh, Phil Mickelson winning the PGA Championship last week. Um, when he was walking down the 18th fairway, there were Hundreds, maybe thousands of people behind him. In fact, it, it was almost, they were so close. And he was going to win, you know, he went on to win this, this golf tournament, and we get a glimpse there of people cheering on the victor. But God's mission is even better than that. We don't get to cheer. We don't just get to watch. We are children. We are sisters and brothers. We're ambassadors. We are citizens. We partake in his unstoppable mission. God's on a mission in us, just like he was with Peter and those religious leaders and Cornelius He was transforming and changing them and forming them into his image. How is God doing the same in you and your life? And God's on a mission through us. And that should give us courage and faith to live missional lives and to take the gospel message to our family and neighbors and friends and to trust God. For the results. God's on an unstoppable mission, and we get to be part of it. Let's pray. Father, we celebrate your grace and your love and your kingdom, and we, we doubt it and we forget it, but we Rejoice that we get to be part of your kingdom and your mission. Thank you that the gospel has gone to the Gentiles because we stand here today resting in Jesus Christ because in part of this passage and this situation that happened some 2,000 years ago. Help us to live by faith and to carry the message wherever we go. We pray in Jesus' precious name, amen.